0: Welcome to season three of Mind the Shift. My name is Anders Bolling and I'm the host of this podcast. Today in this episode, we will talk about the mind-body connection. uh, We'll talk about the importance of uh, connecting with nature and I'm sure a lot of other things. I'm very happy today to have as my guest, a friend and podcast colleague from Slovenia, Branka Androina. Welcome to the show, Branka.
1: Thank you, Anders. Such a pleasure to be in your company and on your podcast.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, now, we are friends in this very modern way, you might say, um, because we haven't really met in real life, which is a bit odd, but this is so common these days because we got to know each other on this during this uh, podcast course that we both took last summer, and then we've been in touch online all along, and we've been following each other's careers or whatever you should call it in the podcast world. So, um, uh, but you also have an artist name or a pen name or a nom de guerre or whatever you might call it, Milangela or Milangela. How do, how do I pronounce in it?
1: In Slovenian, that would be Milangela. 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 So it would be like the one that is gentle and the one that is angelic. So the combination of these two uh, meanings Um, loving, kind, angelic to people. Mila actually uh, is my second name alongside Branka Mm -hmm. and it's always been my dream to have that retreat but back then many years ago I was dreaming along the lines of having that retreat in a physical form so to say like sort of, you know, converted barns where people could go and come together and sing and uh, listen to a concert, uh, just, you know, spend some time together. That never materialized, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Uh, But in this digital um, world, um, seemingly, you know, the dot just got connected. And um, during one of the Um, events that we went to my husband and myself. uh, And it was by Doreen Virtue. And she was talking about all those energies, and she calls them angels. Mm. Um, So during one of the breaks, my husband turned to me and said to me, tell you what, you're not Mila, you are Milangela, Uh and Milangela, because you are kind to people. You're Mission in life, I suppose, is to touch other people's hearts. So that's how the name,
0: uh, you know, came by. the podcast is named after that. You you use that name when you...
1: I use that name for my podcast. And since I combine nature and spirituality, I thought the name Milangela Soul Garden would be like a nice welcoming name to let everyone understand that yes, you are welcome and you can be uh, treated well and um, we'll take care of whatever is that burdens you.
0: And you are, I mean, I said art, art, artist name, which is probably appropriate because you are artistic, obviously, and you're good at crafts as, I, as far as I understand. And for those who are watching this on YouTube, they can see that behind you are some beautiful paintings and you, you have painted them yourself, all okay. of them.
1: Flowers yes, and, uh... um, flowers. I mean, I'm a flower girl. I just yeah. love flowers. It's always been like that. I'm a romantic. So, yeah. <laughs> so flowers are just so very much part of my life. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's nature all together. And um, when I'm creative, I am one with one with God, I, I dare say it's I'm not here. So Creativity, for sure, is very, very deeply rooted in me and very much part of me, part of who I intrinsically am.
0: Maybe, I think you you told me before at some point or wrote wrote uh, to me that uh, creativity is, is really at the core, as you say, and central. And maybe some people aren't that creative, actually, which is a bit sad, if that's the case. Or maybe it's that, I mean, I, I see it as is creative creativity is actually the essence of what we are and who we are and many people forget that or they have some kind of uh, veil in front of their creativity they don't let themselves be creative what's your view on that do you think that we are more or less creative or more or less veiled so to speak behind some other
1: thank you for bringing this up i mean Speaking of you, Anders, are you creative? Would you say you are creative? I know you're a journalist, so I would imagine you write a lot. And in my book, in my view, this is how you are creative, I would say. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I think I'm creative. I'm a creative person. And as you say, um, I, my creativity takes the form of, of writing most in most cases. I have tried some, not painting, but drawing when I was younger. And I was not bad at it but I wasn't very good at it so I I didn't continue doing that but that was very I I I liked that Hmm. and then I have uh, I can sing fairly well but I've never (laughs) practiced I mean I've never learned how to play uh, an instrument or anything like that which is a bit sad but so I think writing is is my kind of creativity Mm -hmm. conduit
1: so what do you think really is that thing that stops people, that prevents them to be creative? Because I'm asking you this because um, one of Brene Brown's amazing statements uh, is that creati- creativity got shamed out of us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what, in your view, is that thing that um, prevents us from indulging in creativity?
0: Because yeah, for me, to, that's... Yeah. Mm,
1: That's a big question.
0: It's a big question. And maybe we should say something about Brene Brown. Who who is Brene Brown?
1: Brene Brown is um, a doctor in social sciences, and she's incredibly good in pointing out various difficulties along the way of life. Let let me put it this way. Um, Amazing teacher, amazing person. And um, I just love listening to her because what she talks about is the very basic principles of life of how we are entitled mm. to be happy right. to lead a happy life and it's a blessing if you work in a job that is also your hobby that's perfect mm. but not many of us do that right so if you work like all day long to earn your living that's fine we need we all need to do that but at if at the end of the day that got you tired, depleted, frustrated, then in my view and in hers, definitely, you are on the wrong path. Or at least you should do something alongside uh, that would make your heart happy, joyful, that you would feel and be fulfilled. Not having that, I mean, we are... Human beings, we are not animals. We have, okay, okay, animals have food and shelters and that's about it, right? And of course, love. But to my knowledge, they are not really creative in terms of, I mean, the way we humans are. But we humans, we need to find that um, special language where we, uh, you know, have that beautiful conversation with the divine. Mm. with the collective intelligence, be it writing, be it journaling, be it painting, be it gardening, be it making things, you know, out of wood, metal, um, you name it, the list of creativities is endless.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, it's good that you say that, because uh, often we, people tend to, as we have been doing here, (laughs) to a large extent, uh, uh, couple this with with arts artistic skills and things like that but i mean it can be anything really to be creative is to be i think be able to to just manifest what you want to experience in life or what people you want to meet or whatever you know Mm -hmm. you dream of a place where you want to go or some people that you want to meet or or if you're looking for love or whatever if you're if you're creative you are you have the ability, I think, to manifest that in first uh, in a non-physical form within mm-hmm. you in a way. Mm-hmm. But then if you if you follow that passion, you follow your heart, you will you really will eventually, I think, experience this in, in one way or another.
1: I'm not really talking about that art and craft sort of thing um, in that very um, fundamental, basic sort of meaning. What I'm talking about is when I create Say, when I paint, um, I get so absorbed in what I do. I'm not here. Mm. I'm not thirsty. I'm not hungry. Um, I don't notice anyone. So, you know, usually the process with me is I paint for two days with no one around. And then I step back. I, I awaken to what, I, what, what emerged, to what, yeah. you know, what, what I made. And I said, oh, not too bad, <laughs> but I was not here. And this is like, you know, to me, this is like, at, at first it's like flirting with the divine. And then it's like making love to that magical, divine collective uh, intelligence. Yeah. You're not here. It's like, it's blissful. It's entirely blissful. And I believe that this uh, bliss, uh, is something that when experienced is special and therefore uh, part of the healing process.
0: Or maybe you are actually very much here when you when you paint. Uh, you can see it that way as well. you're 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 truly present.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe mindful more, I would yeah. say
1: mindful I would say yeah,
0: or, because that might be the I mean if you listen to some other, spiritual teachers who are talking about this, the importance of being present and, and waking up from the Mm -hmm. illusion of everything that's happening. You know, you've heard about, I mean, Are you talking
1: about being present in the now? Is is that what
0: you, in a way? I mean, if you're painting, if you're, if you just focus, if you're in the flow of painting and you're, you're, you're absorbed in that activity, you are actually very much there. Mm -hmm. and when you step out of it, when you step back, as you say, and look at what you've, you've done, you, you go back to your chores, your everyday chores, then mm-hmm. you're less actually less present, because then your mind starts thinking about what you might, what you should do tomorrow and what you did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where my kids are and my husband is. And, and so, so forth. Then you're not there. <laughs> I know you- what you mean. Yeah. I, that's, uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I am present with every
1: single, you know, bit of my heart and I'm, I'm just, here and um, absorbed and uh, fully taken in the energy. and I'm, um, as you said, I'm present. I am rooted here, but also elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, because I cannot I cannot tell you how certain things happen, how mm. I do something. Mm. People then ask me, "Oh, that's an interesting detail. So how, how do you do this? No idea. Honestly, it's just, you know, I, and sometimes, you know, in the beginning, my kids, when when they were smaller, um, they might, they might have, you know, come along and asked me something. I never heard anything because I was not here. Mm. And they then they just gave up on me. I Thought well, mom's gone. <laughs> so now they learn to you know when I do that they just move away because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm just
0: uh, You're in a different dimension or something.
1: Absolutely, I'm different yeah, I'm, and uh, I'm elsewhere.
0: It, it, being in the flow is is such a beautiful experience, uh, and it's uh, I mean I have I experience it sometimes when I when I write. And you can say these things and people who haven't really experienced it, they can, they might think that it's kind of a, that you're just exaggerating or you're just saying this because it sounds nice and and all that, but it's actually true because when you're in that flow, you don't really know what is happening. I mean, I can write it. I can write. I've been now lately dabbling in fiction actually. So I've been writing short stories and things like that, which is a completely different kind of writing. From what I've been doing before, I've been writing nonfiction and, and books of that kind, which is mm-hmm. a different process because then you're using your thinking mind a lot more, I think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to write fiction is to actually step out of that thinking mind and be in the flow and just see what happens. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, you of course it's not like that all the time. You, you I I think about characters that I want to use and what they are going to going to do and all that. But then I st- when I start writing, it can actually for, for hours on end sometimes be the way that I I just I just write down what ha- what's happening and I'm almost surprised myself at what mm-hmm, is happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I, I, I had no idea where that came from it just came it's to like me. It, it's I, I love these expressions it came to me it struck mm-hmm, me because it's, mm-hmm. that's how it feels it's not it's not my brain thinking up things it's my, more like my brain is a filter. Receiving these uh, ideas and these things that are coming to me, so that's that's being in the flow,
1: <laughs> almost like channeling things almost and simply like pour pouring things, pouring ideas onto the paper. Wayne Dyer had a lot to say on this topic, and of course he um, was he got up usually got up in the small hours, and uh, and and uh, when I say that I mean two three. Um, AM in the morning, because he got inspired that early. And he is he he was talking about the very same phenomenon. He said that when he woke up, he just felt that urge to sit down to a piece of paper, because the thoughts just kept coming. Mm. He had no idea where from he wasn't the author of, Mm. of them. At least that—that's what he said. But he just, you know, was um, using his hand and uh, was pushing down beautiful
0: things. Yeah, I think that's how it—how it actually happens if when it's good and when it's authentic. And then some people have a little bit too strong egos, so they—they they tend to boast about it and say that oh, I did this, I wrote this. But but, but but I mean, I must say that it doesn't feel that. Like I've done it all my, by, by myself actually. I've just been the kind of a conduit. So anyway, this is very fascinating. You, you are, uh, you're in Slovenia now. I don't know exactly where you are in Slovenia. It's, it's, not it's in the-
1: actually in the vicinity of our capital Ljubljana. So it's hmm. like 20 minutes um, uh, from Ljubljana, not far away. But you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's a teeny tiny village that we live in um you you have no idea that the capital is like 20 minutes away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's such peace and quiet that in the middle of the day I get deer and rabbits and you know fox uh, running around uh peaceful you have we have it all we have the best of both
0: worlds so I, I love, love to say uh, yeah and then you I mean your English is excellent and th- there is something. With you and England, isn't it? <laughs> oh. I mean, you have a special relationship with England. So, what is it with England that fascinates you so much? And understand no,
1: I, I studied English, and um, I felt I needed to, of course, brush up on my English. And um, I did that for the first time when I was fifteen, and I immediately fell in love with the country. I I just. As said before, as a romantic, uh, very sensitive person, um, I w- what I saw, uh, and, and, and I'm talking about the very minute sort of details um, and, and attention paid to um, every single thing that is part of what makes a home, a home, um, I thought, oh, i just i feel at home in this country that i have not had not known before so i started um loving it and um also being a slav becoming i mean being part of the slavic culture we are entirely different we are open we are talkative i am talkative um to get i mean to come to england where People were more or less reserved, not talking much. Um, it was like a sort of a cold shower at first. But I learned that sometimes it's so clever to not talk too much mm. and to just, you know, um, sort of observe and be there and enjoy the party, enjoy the performance that is going on in front of your eyes. And I was learning then. Start uh, that learning process started then as I said at the age of 15 when I came back I wanted to go back time and again and um, later on uh, I went there again as an au pair and I stayed for two years and I also was um, sandblasting um, glass I needed some extra money because I wanted um, certain other things and I um, of course, um, I only had my pocket money that I got from the landlords. Um, and that was an amazing experience. I don't know whether you know how to, what the process is all about. So you take this huge panel of glass and you put it in that box, like a glass box in the back and then you put your hands into that those gloves and you send blast the the panel but of course before you put adhesives uh with various patterns onto the class and what is created is uh i don't know floral
0: patterns or
1: you know basically those panels are used for decorations um,
0: I mean, so that's how you, how you create patterns in a, in a sheet of glass. You uh,
1: that's how you, you create patterns. Yes. You, you, uh-huh. you, uh, use the normal
0: way, or, or can you also use uh, sharp tools or things like that? Or is this the way that it's normally done?
1: Um, you would want to get very fine shades and, and nuances on the glass and using any types of I mean tools would be much too harsh, I would imagine. So basically what happens is you, you, you blast, you sort of are shooting sand onto that surface yeah. and um, dependent on the length, I mean, uh, how close or far away you are holding that pistol it's kind of pistol mm-hmm. uh the pattern gets more or less uh sort of you know indented uh so it's um I enjoy that a lot
0: <laughs> your creative uh, side began showing <laughs> or um did- no
1: it was just one side of it um I saw the opportunity I grabbed it and so I earned some extra money but uh
0: yeah so, what is it with England? Do you think it's, it's kind of an? Did you feel some special kind of energy in that country? Mm. Yeah, the, the I felt like coming well, home, and, and all that. I
1: felt, funnily enough, I felt like coming home. I I have no reason why I would say something like that, but I felt um, some kind of bond with those people, especially elderly people, mm-hmm. and um, I lived in in that old cottage. And um, next door, uh, there was an elderly woman in her ages or even older. And uh, every, every now and then she would invite me for a cup of tea. And she wasn't talking much, but the energy that I felt coming from her was just like coming to my granny and mm-hmm. it was special. So I can't explain, Anders. It's like coming home in a way.
0: Yeah. Maybe we've lived there in earlier lives, past lives.
1: Who would know that? Who knows? The, the, the mysticism, the secrecy, you know, that just something was there uh, waiting for me and welcoming me. And I just felt at home.
0: I, I think it is like that, actually, because it's very common that people feel at home in certain places on earth that they've mm. never visited before. It's It's not uncommon. I have experienced it myself. Particularly, I would say, in Spain. So I've been to Spain, I don't know how many times, I think about 50 times or something like that. Mm. And uh, I, I almost always feel, feel at home. And I've had it several times, this exact feeling that you're talking about, that I'd land there and I go out of the, just go out of the, the airport building and just feel like, wow, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> this is where I, this is my place. This is where
1: I belong. Sometimes I, I say, this is, yeah.
0: I'm I'm from Sweden and Sweden has a very cold climate although we have some kind of global warming going on. So it's not, it's a little bit less cold, but now, I mean, for instance, now it's very windy and 14 degrees and the uh, oh. drizzle it, it's, it's not, it's not good. If you're, if you're in the middle of August, I think it's terrible. <laughs> it mm-hmm. should be 28 degrees now, but it isn't. So um, yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's the thing really, that you can feel that certain, certain places are, you vibrate, you, your freak frequency is, similar to the frequency in that place in a way it's sort not. of
1: being being aligned with what's going yeah. on up there in a way and yeah. in, in that funny um
0: mysterious way yeah so i've never felt that with england i like i love england i love london particularly i think it's a very nice country and and, and a fantastic city the city of london and i love the people mm-hmm. and you say that they're not very talkative but i mean i come from sweden and we would say that English people probably talk more than Swedes, but I mean, oh it's God. not the differences aren't that big, actually. It's a bit of a simplification when you, when you put it in these terms, but I know exactly what you're talking about, but mm. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty talkative myself and there are lots of Swedes who talk a lot. And uh, so, but it, it's, it's good. It's good fun to do these comparisons sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So that was England. And then, I want to ask you, of course, about your your podcast and uh, what led you to to do this. When we met last summer, you were also in the midst of that course that we took. And so, what what was it that that made you decide to start a podcast?
1: Well, as I said before, um, I always wanted to be there for people to help them endure whatever it was or it is that uh, is bringing them down. Um, last year, when I started podcasting, um, basically, I decided to do that to take that leap of faith, to be honest. You know very well that I am I used to be, um, <laughs> well, a technical dinosaur, to be quite honest. Um, I'm sort of, you know, a very um, physical person. I want to feel people. I just love feeling the presence of people and to enter the digital for me was like being part of that horror movie. It was like I was making all types of jokes with my kids. uh, And they, of course, uh, made jokes with me. Come on, mom, this is horrible. Do something about it. And so I did. I decided to uh, go down this rabbit hole and do some exploration. And it was hard for me. And I was so proud afterwards when I discovered that, yes, this is another thing that I'm capable of doing. I have everything that it takes to do something, to be part of that. And I loved uh, talking to people. Every single interview that I did gave me so very much, really, um, taught me so many things. And I was only really too happy to be able to share that with my audience. But um, after a while, I felt I was a bit unhappy still. Because, okay, so I found the voice, my voice, but it was not the voice telling my story. And why would I want to do that? I decided to risk that I mean, and and I decided for vulnerability, Mm. just so I could help people out there to not fall into those pitfalls to not um, be bruised and wounded and scarred the way I was. It takes an awful lot from anyone to go from that cozy, nice, comfortable, um, you know, safety of your own home, and uh, be exposed in that particular way, to talk about the things that happened to me um, was not easy, still not is at times. um, But basically, I wanted to find the voice to tell my story, to help navigate people to their best lives, to their, I mean, to live their natural lives to be happy and fulfilled and not to be scared when bad things happen because they do mm-hmm. i mean they they always in and inevitably do and instead of being paralyzed and in that shock i would love to tell them that's okay take a deep breath in things can be sorted out if only you trust in the process i was in a bad I mean, form, really, uh, in a bad shape. Uh, And back then, I didn't know anything of the kind. Intuitively, though, I I took all the right steps, and I feel so blessed for that. How on earth, back then, in my early 40s, I knew that when I fake something, I can actually make it? Mm -hmm. You tell me. I knew nothing of the kind, and, and I'm honest. Mm. And since you mentioned before, some people may feel, oh, it's a cliche to say you are blissful when you create. And it's a cliche saying that, you know, you, you knew something. Honestly, I did. Mm. Uh, so when when I had this emotional moment with my daughter, um, and and reached the rock bottom, asking me whether I was going to be here for her the following day. I woke up, immediately I woke up, and before I had been ready to just leave, because I understood if the medical doctors believe that the time is right for me to do so, mm. I probably must. Mm. That's how silly I was at the time. But my daughter asking me that question whether I was going to be here for them the next day woke me up and from that moment on I was taking all the right steps I was faking being fine and then I said time and again to myself I mean how can they be sure maybe they made a mistake I don't feel I don't feel bad I mean I mean I'm actually I'm fine I can walk I can think I can do so many things I'm not, I'm not ill you see I mm-hmm. was faking the things I had my diagnosis in my arms
0: mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that because you you're into this now you're talking about the, the what you have um, labeled as your downward spiral in life mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. which took you to the, these latest steps that you've taken in your life but you were you were ill And for many years, uh, we're in a bad shape.
1: I was in a bad, I I put myself in that bad shape. um, Because probably I wanted too much out from life. And I expected certain things from people that were not able to give that to me. And I was angry with them for not being able to get that from them.
0: Do you feel like a victim?
1: Absolutely, no. I was a complete victim and I had that pity party for some time. Uh, and I was looking around, searching for the culprit. Who was to blame that I was in such a bad position? And I was crying my eyes out and um, yeah, a complete and total victim. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and by being a victim, I deprived myself of uh, doing anything much really But after I reached that rock bottom and after that question, that particular question, I equipped myself for, I'm going to say the battle at this point, because back then I thought the battle it was, but it was not. It was understanding that I was inviting the things into my life in order to learn something and to move forward Mm. and to become more spiritual, if you will, Mm. and to understand what really is important in life, and what is important in life, to live fully, to be present in the now, Mm. to enjoy life, to love, and to be loved. And when I say love, I mean, all kinds of love between spouses, and between mother and daughter, and, you know, friends, and the, the, the kind, the giving feeling that you want to share and mm. give away and also receive. Mm. And um, not having that, uh, the healing is difficult. Mm. And then some people say, but I don't have, a, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Okay. Animals count as well. Yeah. You can extend love to your neighbors You can take care of the neighbor's children, Mm. all kinds of love.
0: But but you have to start with yourself no, right? Mm. You have to first. Thank you you for reminding me of that. Love anybody else.
1: Unless you love yourself and understand that, yes, you are worthy of everything there is in this Mm. world. Mm. No miracle. None. No. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, that's number 1.
0: Yeah. Loving
1: yourself and uh realizing that yeah. we
0: are all one, that we are all together, that mm. you are you're, you're not alone even if you you're physically alone, you're not alone. We are all no, together. No. I mean, everybody is alone and nobody is alone. It's mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. the same for everybody. So, yeah.
1: And distance is really not important here. I mean, because I've learned how to feel people and I've learned that when I feel that certain people are not on the same, on the sort of friendly wave line, mm. I learned that that's okay. It's okay for them to be where they are. But I also learned that it's I'm better off if I move away from them. And that does not mean to, you know, um, cut off myself from them or burn the bridges. A far cry from that. But to, just to... In a loving way, step away from them. Let them grow their own way. But please don't poison me. Don't, you know, throw your toxic things Mm. into my face because I've had enough. Mm. And, um, you know, you do your job. I will do mine. We all need to do some uh, learning, I think. Everybody has
0: their path in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to respect that. that Let everybody have their, their path. Uh, and you asked me before uh, why I think that people aren't uh, uh, connecting with their, their true creative core. And th- this is probably one of the reasons because they let themselves be poisoned by people around mm-hmm. them that are not mm-hmm. good for them, that give them the wrong kind of energy. And they're also conditioned, I think. We're all conditioned to, to uh, you know, being victims almost at... Uh, circumstances and and um, things around us people around us uh, structures around us are what's creating our lives when we should actually realize that we are our own creators we are creating our own lives we have such as you were mentioning to me before this interview that we are so mighty and we don't realize Mm it we have this i mean you are a living proof that you can you can heal yourself more or less physically, but we can also, I mean, heal ourselves mentally and psychologically and find happiness and nobody can do it for us. No. Nobody can do it for us. We have to do no, it. Ourselves.
1: No, no. And I, I say to people who are very much against alternative, I say, fine, go and see the doctor, but please do understand that doctors can help you. But at the end of the day, it is you Unless you want to heal, unless you want to live, no one can do that for you. Exactly. Whatever medication you take, whatever, you know, surgery you, you, you go through, yeah. things cannot be changed for you unless you willingly cooperate and take responsibility and ownership of your own life. No one can
0: do that. That's so important. Yeah. Thank you. Now you uh, started this podcast, but then you said, as you've been talking about a little bit here, you felt that you needed your own voice to get out there, also. So you have decided that you you're you're starting your own um, uh, you're starting up life coaching, as you call it. So tell us more about that. What kind of life coaching is it that you are going to do here? What's what's your method, if there is any method?
1: Um, I would like people to think of me as that. Helping hand, sort of once they um, are in a way uh, decided that medication or scalpel can do certain things up to a point. But, and even if they have, like in my case, that clean bill of health document holding in their hands, that still is no sort of guarantee that tomorrow I'm going to be fine. Mm. Meaning I still am on, you know, shaky legs and uh, I, I'm not certain about my tomorrow. And this is where my coaching method comes into play because I want to uh, sort of equip people with and, and make them understand of all the might that there is in every single one of us. No one is an exception to this rule. Mm. So um, basically, the four modules are more or less to do with our mind and thoughts and beliefs, self-limiting beliefs. Um, The story we keep telling ourselves, but are not really sure whether other people see that same story or is that just a construct of our imagination, say. I challenge that story. And then I ask them to really be, to pay attention to their physical state. If by any chance their physical state has a message for them, and they are just oblivious of that. I mean, if you have this uh, painful sensation in your body, like day in, day out, what is this telling you? Apparently, some steps were not taken in the right direction, right? Um, then limiting beliefs. Um, again, I invite people to suspend uh, sort of, you know, th- th- to willingly suspend beliefs. What, what I mean by that, when you are willing to believe that the movie you are watching, the, you know, the, the, the thriller is actually real, and I'm a living proof of that. When I watch a, watch a horror film, I'm shaking with fear. So yeah. my mind believes what what the mind sees, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, mm-hmm. I'm willingly ready to believe what I see. So I invite my clients to willingly suspend their limiting beliefs, and you know, and put into their heads the more beneficial the better, the the more positive thoughts. Mm. And I I then also, you know, um, also uh, sort of uh, reflect on the idea of how this is done in the body, because I think it would be such a blessing for people to understand the nocebo and placebo effect, to understand that when you have that negative thought, which is the consequence of you feeling poorly, if you understand that it's like a vicious circle going on, that one bad sensation in your body triggers yet another negative thought, and this negative thought then goes back to the body and um, even uh, and and makes that pain even stronger. If they understood that to put a positive mind uh, uh, thought in into their mind can cut the vicious circle and change the chemistry, the release of chemical substances into our body. And in turn, that changes the physical body if and on condition we do that for a certain period of time, we so change our personality. And when we change our personality, the world around us gets Mm changed. I remember as a child, Anders, my granddad uh, kept saying, Oh, come on, just leave him. Change the way you are. Change yourself and the world around you will get changed. And I thought, what are you talking about? I mean, how can I change him if I change myself? Of course, I was much too green and much too small and young to understand anything of the kind. But now I do. Mm. Once you change the mind, the chemical uh, sort of substances Released into our body uh, are different, yeah. and uh, that is a, a complete uh, game changer for us. So, people t- t- to to for people to be able to understand that it would be a true eye opener. I think.
0: How do you see the connection between mind, body, and soul, if you might call it that? Uh, well, it's a big question, of course.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: How does it all work? Where does it start, and what what is yeah? Is it all one system?
1: I'm afraid I don't have the answer to this one, really. But um, one book comes to mind, um, authored by Michael A. Singer, The Untethered Soul, where where he talks about the talker, the one who talks, the speaker, the observer, and the judge, the critic in our mind. So... Um, I don't think you can actually separate these three entities, really. Because when I'm spiritual, inevitably, I need to still stay in my temple, which is my physical body. And also when I'm emotional, I use my physical body. Um, So I would say that, and I would, according to some, there are four bodies in one body of ours, and that is um, physical, emotional, spiritual and mental. Mm -hmm. So there is this, I would say this intricate like interplay reciprocity between these four, and no one, not one can exist and function without the help of other three. No. Um,
0: I mean, you've already given a lot of excellent examples of how it works when you watch a horror movie. It, it affects mm-hmm. your body and and the nocebo and placebo effect, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Bruce Lipton talks a lot about that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and talking about Bruce Lipton, I know that you've been influenced by Joe Dispenza, one of his friends also, and his workshops. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you've been to a couple of his workshops. Joe
1: Dispenza um, provided that insightful understanding of what is actually going on during meditation for one thing Um, because once you start meditating for real your body is really such a nuisance and now I understand why this is so because your body is like that junkie Mm -hmm. junkie being used to all the negativity to all the uh, toxins that you keep Uh, releasing into the body and now all of a sudden you decide for broccoli and of course the junkie is not very happy sorry for you know making it that uh, illustrative Um, so he taught us a lot about that Um, he also gave me that beautiful understanding of what is really meant when you talk about heart and love and how heart has the brain of its own. Yeah. Um, I was just, um, I mean, blown away when I heard that. First, when you encounter a person, it is your heart that responds.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, rightfully so because I mean, when you when we fall in love, we listen to our heart. Heart knows it all, and yeah. heart the heart yeah. has you know all the information needed for it to decide i love him i don't sorry
0: mm. yeah but and western science has dis- been dismissing this for so long which is really sad and 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 stupid because i mean there's it's no it's not a coincidence that um, poetry and literature for centuries have has been talking about. The heart being at the center when when we are in love as you say and you know there's there's an institute in california you're probably familiar with this the heart math institute yeah uh maybe you read read about it uh, dr it
1: joe Spensa also cooperates um, uh, intensely with with them as well
0: i'm not i'm not surprised and it, what's really fascinating is and this is this is measurable they measure this you mentioned this that the heart is reacting first when we fall in love with somebody and it's measurable you can measure that that the, uh, the signals from the heart are several seconds before the signals from the brain, because the brain is just picking up on what the heart feels. And not only that, but when they have had these experiments where they have had people, uh, they, they had a number of people watching uh, pictures, images, more or less... Um, terrible uh, you know um, emotionally challenging pictures some mm-hmm. some are nice and some are terrible you know mm-hmm. and they they watch these um, just con- for a few seconds and then the computer randomly decides to to put out another picture there and another picture and another, another picture and they measure what happens in the bodies of these people who are watching these pictures these images the pupils heart rate Sweating, blood Mm -hmm. pressure, everything, you know, all these things. And then the brain waves and the heart waves. And what they can see is that not only does the heart react before the brain, which we've already talked about, but the heart reacts up to four to five seconds before they've even shown the image.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is really fascinating. It's like the the heart has, there is some kind of connection to uh, a non. a realm outside of time and space, if you see what I mean. Absolutely. So it knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a few seconds. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's just... Flapping. That's
1: mind-blowing. Yeah, it, it, it is, actually. Um, and it it's it's chemistry. I hate to say it, because before, you know, being becoming familiar with the, the science, being a romantic as I am, I thought, oh, so nice. They fell in love. And yeah. it's, you know, like something that is not very much i mean that that has not much to do with uh, science per se but unfortunately it's all about science it's well, chemistry I mean, and, I think and we,
0: yeah we have to change our our view on what science is i guess
1: yeah yeah and and bruce lipton since you mentioned him just beautifully um uh, breached the gap between science and spirituality i mean what he did again is really amazing um Sort of um, pointing out that it is the environment that impacts, Mm. uh, you know, our sort of also genetic material um, up to up to a level. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things can change um, when you are willing to to change.
0: Exactly, Um, and nature is very important to you. And healthy foods. I mean, speaking of broccoli, as you did before, healthy foods is is central to you and your, I guess, also your life coaching method?
1: I, uh, so the last two modules um, are really a lot to do with nature and creativity. And uh, for some people, this may seem a bit insignificant or at least less uh, important. But in my view, the two aspects or the two chapters in, in, in my, in my um, uh, coaching method are of vital importance. Um, We were talking about creativity as, you know, um, being part of the divine uh, and and that, and when I say divine, what I mean is that uh, sort of omnipresent um, information readily available for us to live, to thrive, to heal. If only we open up and we let it in. So I'm talking about this type of creativity that I invite. And um, as part of my coaching method, I um, ask people and invite them to do some journaling and to think about what is creativity for them and how can they be creative? And at the end of the day, I expect them to you know, do a project of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of nature, Of course, nature is not having that, not having that. I think I would be in trouble uh, in my healing process. So back in times when I was really, really uh, frail, um, I decided to just go out to walk uh, barefoot, to hug trees.
0: Yeah.
1: don't know whether you've done that. It's just, I wish I wouldn't have to stop hugging, you know, that um, beautiful uh, creatures, really, uh, with all their vibes. Uh, People wade in water, and I need to, and, and then I invite them to reflect on that, and to tell me about the feelings they had. Of course, I understand not everyone is happy as I am living in the countryside. But I used to live in, in the city and our terrace, you bet, was full of pots. Uh, till one day my husband said, oh, come on, I, I see we need to, you know, buy you a house and you need to have a garden. <laughs> okay. uh, because it was flowers and it was cherry tomatoes and lettuce and parsley and things. So um, to just, you know, to be aware that we are human beings, we are very much part of nature we cannot really go to nature because we are nature yeah. we we are intrinsically one of one of that beautiful uh, thing called nature so yeah nature yeah. and creativity
0: uh, I, I need I to thank to, both I, of them i speak to my plants here in my apartment
1: beautiful beautiful that's something i mean silly, yeah. but
0: i i think it helps actually i think they hear what i'm saying or they don't hear what i'm saying but they can i think they can sense if I want wanted to be want uh, want if I'm positive, they uh, can sense that I want them to to thrive.
1: I absolutely I absolutely know this is true. Plants know when you enter and when you talk to them and when you go away on holiday. Say and other people take care of your plants. That changes the whole thing for them. I okay. know that for you know from my uh, experience because when I come home for holidays, my plants are not very happy, and I need to tend to them to uh, put them in a better shape mm-hmm. afterwards. Mammie's back. Mammie's, don't, be, don't worry. <laughs> okay, you can laugh at that, and it's no, I, you know rightfully I right. so. But <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: plants are. I mean, they're they're living creatures. They're mm-hmm. just part of this the energy field around us, and that fluctuates all the time. Depending on what kind of energy you 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 emanate, and so, but you you're actually um, or more or less self-sufficient on vegetables where you live now.
1: Um... Well, not really. We couldn't, we we cannot because we don't have a lot large enough. But uh, the the kind of things that we ourselves uh, don't grow, we buy from local shops. So we hate going to large supermarkets uh, and I can immediately see the difference when say tomatoes are bought from a supermarket or from a local shop. If not right there sitting at the table in to our time, because my, um, you know, um, sort of my body tells me this was not, you know, treated the way it should be.
0: No, And the taste is... is...
1: The taste is different. Mm-hmm. The taste is absolutely different. Um, uh, it wasn't always like that. You must know that we used to live in the city. Mm. And uh, when we moved out the outskirts of Ljubljana, uh, we only had flowers. And then I started harvesting wild plants and I uh, sort of dried them and uh, mixed them into various uh, sort of combinations. uh, And that served us for our uh, herbal infusions for our teas in winter time. But as time went by, we thought, why not grow in vegetable as well and, and have some fruit? But we didn't know one thing about gardening. You must know that. So it's never too late. You can start, you know, small baby steps. It doesn't matter. little something. in Cherry tomatoes, as I said, a bit of parsley and, and carrots. A little something. And um, it's amazing how different that food then feels when you consume it. It's, yeah. it's, it's different. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Cherry tomatoes are wonderful. They're like candy, I love. Candy.
1: Yeah, they are actually, yeah.
0: Um, but what would you recommend people living in colder climates like with long winters, like people up in where I live or even further north, if they live in Greenland or whatever, you know, there's they can't grow things for more than maybe two or three months a year. Then what sh- should they do in the winter? Shouldn't they import tomatoes from Holland or should they um, just eat... Um, uh, I don't know, well,
1: anyway, it is my belief that uh, I mean I only eat tomatoes during summer, okay. because you know what tomato does to us. Tomato sort of uh, cools us from inside out. Now, why, why would you want to eat tomato in winter mm-hmm. uh, and have that cooling sensation? Okay, you need to get warm in 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 winter. So, what, so, what
0: are we supposed to eat in, in the winter time then? Uh,
1: I would. I, I would eat the kind of food that is available um, in, in Sweden. Um, I've never been to Sweden. Cans. <laughs> Canned food? Just cans. Just cans. Um, I would explore and I would start uh, having my pots. I would start, you know, uh, growing something in pots.
0: That's true. You could do that indoors.
1: Um, And and you need to just experiment with it. Of course, you cannot have a garden, naturally. But start small. A bit of parsley, maybe, from your pot. Wouldn't that be great? Or basil or, you know, sage, whatever. Um, Start with herbs and spices and then see how far you can get. One thing, though, um, we are leaving for last of a pack in a couple of days. Uh, When I'm there you bet I harvest um, for, for, for herbs. I, I pick um, oregano, uh, basil, um, bay leaf, uh, rosemary, and I dry it. I dry all of that. And yeah. it's in, in winter when we cook, and my husband is a great cook. And when I smell that rosemary, it immediately puts me into the, that beautiful area where we harvested it. My husband also is in love with, um, you know, wandering around and, and foraging. So you can do a bit of that and bringing things back to Sweden and start with herbs, start with little something, because asking me herbs and spices really spice up our life and our food. Um, Yeah. So conserving
0: in different ways, like drying, as you say, is
1: drying or freezing.
0: Freezing.
1: Um, I also just the other day, um, I made some basil pesto. And again, in winter, we don't have basil here. It's very cold. It's uh, it it can get, I mean, we we can have a lot of snow, but we have basil pesto that I made. Mm. Uh, And, you know, so, Throughout the year, um, we harvest things. We make various preserves. I make great um, um, plum um, jam. Mm-hmm. It, and if you come to Slovenia, you will
0: for sure get a, a jar. To... Yeah, I hope. I hope <laughs> I will someday be able to, to go there and visit you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, or, or we should all. I mean, talking about uh, what we need to eat in the winter time if we live in cold climates maybe we should all just live in the tropics <laughs> that's where humankind homo sapiens started i guess so um, mm-hmm. that seems more logical but humans are very odd creature actually i think odd species yeah very yeah, odd species I think we are, we are not <laughs> just another animal that's my my opinion but it's that's uh, another discussion but i mentioned this to you the other day that it is very odd when you think about it, that human beings need all these kinds of foods, all these different kinds of foods and vitamins and, and um, this and that, you know, to to thrive, to feel good when many mammals just eat one thing, just one mm-hmm. single thing or maybe two or three mm-hmm. and they live for 30 years. So th- it's very strange, really. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure whether this is really somehow connected to the blood type we are, but I heard that since if you are a certain blood type, then you are inclined to be a vegetarian or pescatarian or whatever. Um, I don't know whether that that is, I mean, that holds true, but um, I would say that the, the the sort of diet that you have, greatly depends on the area you live in so when we during during summer when we are on holiday and we spend a lot of time on one of the islands in in Croatia say our food chain is changed uh, completely from say what we eat in in spring or what we eat in in winter and uh, since you mentioned uh, Sweden of course in winter time I eat food that is warming um, that makes me warm. And um, it's a lot of fermented food. Uh, we just also made some um, uh, sort of, you know, fermented cabbage, sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And th- that's, that, that type of food is very, very good and very healthy for us. Yeah. And everyone can do that. When you buy food uh, from your shop, you can ferment food at home just using very simple principle, putting some salt on top of various layers and leaving that for some time and it's fermented. Um, baking and making your own bread again is one feature that we do on regular basis in winter, not so much in summer because it's hot. Mm. So we basically need to explore and um see what really uh, is in agreement with us, um, because we are different. Some people say, like, really need meat. I'm not sure whether this is true, but that's what they claim. And they eat meat on a daily basis. I think I would die doing something like that, but they do, and they are quite happy with with that. So,
0: Yeah, that's a complicated question. I mean, but I I, I don't have any uh, moral... uh, Views on on that. I mean, chacun son truc. Everyone has mm-hmm. to find their own way. As we yeah, say. right. So if they think that's right for them, I haven't eaten meat for almost 30 years now, so that would be probably a big problem for me as well if mm-hmm. I <laughs> would <laughs> try to eat red meat mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Um, yeah. So uh, I think we're, we're we're soon wrapping this up. But to end this wonderful conversation, I know that we promised each other that we weren't going to talk about politics or things like that. And we won't. uh, And this, (laughs) there has been a big, uh, you know, some kind of pandemic going on. And we won't talk about that either or not directly anyway. But I would like to ask you generally what you think about the times that we're living in. Are these times particular times or have we always have humankind always said that oh this is this is a crucial time we're living in this is a crucial or is it something special with this time that we're living in are we in for changes do you, do you think do, do you see can you sense that there are big changes going on out there or is it just business as usual what's your view on these times
1: um what i feel is that many of us have changed greatly and um It's one thing when you sort of um, have this theory and when you believe something, it's quite another when you need to put things into practice. So if you ask me these crucial times, uh, which are quite difficult to be honest, um, and regardless of how you look upon the facts, certain facts, uh, I would say that when we are, Our beliefs are put to test and um, if we can basically if can we leave what we um, what we think about can we walk the talk can we really be what we talk about this is the question here and um, asking me so far Um, I've done an amazing job, I think, because I um, recovered from COVID. And um, I did it my way. I was meditating every single day, a couple of days, I mean, a couple of times a day. um, And I allowed my body to go through it in its own best way. Mm. In other words, I got out of the way. Because I understand Okay, so human beings, we are perfect. We really are. I mean, the, if, if you just think of all the mechanisms and, and you know, systems running uh, in our body, and yet certain things are much beyond us. We, we cannot understand how this world is created. And if we are wise enough to just step back and let the master, the creator do its wonderful job, we're safe Mm. to basically understand the nocebo and placebo effect. And to respect the almighty knowledge that is not in us, but around us. Mm. I think we should test this. And I've been testing it. And I am ever so happy that I've learned so many things. And I keep on intend to keep on going my way. I'm not saying I'm not going to change my opinion in the future. I might, but I need to see that certain um, claims, certain statements uh, will withstand the test of time.
0: Yeah.
1: When I have those answers, and if the need be also, which is not very likely, but you never know, then I might change my mind change my mind and then do something but for the time being I think what I've learned I need to act I need to be the man in the arena I need to walk the talk really Um, yeah
0: yeah I understand what you're what you're saying and my question was broader actually I guess I'm I was asking about crucial times in a general sense uh, uh, not just having to do with this pandemic but uh i also often talk on my podcast about the fact that we are integrating the, the, mm-hmm. the globe is integrating human humankind is integrating for the first time as far as we know i mean there mm-hmm. might have been integrated uh civilizations uh, hundreds of thousands of years ago but we we don't know about that those are just myths and legends but uh, as far as we know this has never happened before so we are in direct contact with every other human being mm-hmm. in real time if we want mm-hmm. to which is something that I think changes us in many ways. So we, we, the, the illusion of separation is more illusory than, than ever, I would say.
1: Yes, I agree on this one. Mm. because um, And I, that's also part of what I intend to teach. You are never alone. And um, even when you, when you think, uh, that your thoughts are yours alone, and no one else's, you are so wrong. Yes, I can feel you, I can feel what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking, but I can feel you. Mm. And, um, but it, w- what, what is the most critical here is it bounces back, yeah. it's, it, it, it causes that ripple effect. And if you are mean to other people, you're going to get that back unfortunately, or happily. So um, just make sure you, you do kind things to other people because then kind things are going to be given back to you naturally, and right. that will be just incredible. And as you said, we would all be one body, coherent, loving, uh, sort of, I don't know, it's not a body anymore, it's like life, mm-hmm. right? Right.
0: Yeah, but we are one uh, entity, in a way. One
1: entity, yes, was the word I I was looking for.
0: That's humankind. Branka Milangela, where can listeners and and viewers find you if they're interested in what you're doing?
1: Well, if what I was talking about resonated with your audience, I can be found on Facebook and Instagram. uh, I'm the Milangela's Soul Garden. Uh, and also on Anchor, and and I'm also on YouTube, but in order for me to be on the Melangela Soul Garden on YouTube, I need a certain number of followers, and I'm far behind that. So, um, But basically, Melangela Soul Garden is the key combination
0: word. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, for gilding the show with your presence. And good luck now with your life coaching and, and also the podcasting. If you're continuing that with that, maybe the, you're not doing that, but...
1: I intend to continue whatever comes my way and definitely podcasting for the time being still. Yeah. If I may, I'd like to finish this off um, with Wayne Dyers, who is my alter ego. Uh, so his words, um, when you change the way you look at things... The things you look at change.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
1: It's been my pleasure to be on your Path Podcast again. Thank you ever
0: so much, Anders. You, Ranka. Bye bye.
1: Bye.